What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and my co-beat writer at Mass Live, John Corrales of Locked On Celtics fame. Corrales, how you doing? I'm doing great. Locked On Celtics fame. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Only the best introductions for royalty in here. <laughs> Season's been over for a couple weeks. Nothing has really happened. Nothing can really happen for a while. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna go through some off season stuff. Do some would you rather's? Sure. But let's start here. Would you rather have Bradley Beal or Marcus Smart? Well, God, no. I don't think this is relatively easy at all. <laughs> I don't think this is easy at all. And maybe this is the recency bias. If we're just talking about a flat out swap. I think I'd want Bradley Beal. He's just a much more dynamic scorer. And Marcus Smart, everybody loves Marcus Smart. The thought of Marcus Smart not not being in Boston seems like sacrilegious. But Bradley Beal can defend when he wants to. I think he didn't defend last season because he just didn't want to. Why would you want to? There was no point, yeah. You know? And let's not discount the kind of big brother aspect to Jason Tatum here. What better way to guarantee Jason Tatum sticking around and loving being in Boston for the long term than getting his St. Louis buddy Bradley Beal here? If Gordon Hayward goes or whatever, you're just adding Bradley Beal to that mix, I think I think the Celtics could be better off with Bradley Beal. Cool. Yeah, I don't think it's a tough one at all. I think the answer is Bradley Beal for sure with Smart, just because – like what John said, I guess the biggest discrepancy between, I mean, never mind. The biggest discrepancy is their offensive ability, but <laughs> what Smart brings is that defense and his winning plays and things like that. But I think if Bradley Beal was on a team and in, and in an environment like Boston, he would feel compelled to try on defense and play defense. Also, Brad Stevens would make him play defense. Don't a counterpoint to that. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie tried before the Milwaukee series. He took a bunch of charges. I feel like actually his year in Boston was one of his better defensive showings of his career. It was. I, I will say that I think some of his trying was like when a car is like waiting for you to cross the street and you do like the fake running thing and you're just like, okay, thank you, thank you, I'm going. I do feel like his defense <laughs> right. was kind of that. Because you're moving at the same exact speed as walking. You know, you took a charge, but like really were you, but yes, no, your larger point I agree with completely. I just think Bradley Beal brings so much more. They're trying to win a championship and Bradley Beal checks a lot of boxes. If there's a really good argument for keeping smart in this scenario, it's that like everybody really likes him, but the most important player on your team would be thrilled to see Bradley Beal show up. So yeah, I think that Bradley Beal is the easy call. So let's make it a little bit more complicated. Bradley Beal or Jalen Brown? Well, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say, okay, Jalen Brown because he's younger, he's cheaper, he has the possibility of producing close to what Bradley Beal can produce. I'm not going to say he's going to be the offensive threat that Bradley Beal is, 
He's a better defender. He's a more versatile defender. You could ask him to guard the five. They did ask him to guard the five. I think he can be better after this offseason, knowing that he's going to have to guard the five a little bit more. I think he's just more versatile and plays a better role than Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is going to be super, super expensive, probably maybe even up to $20 million more than Jalen Brown depending on what the salary cap ends up being or whatever. But still, are you getting $15 million more production out of Bradley Beal than you are Jalen Brown? I don't think so. So I'd rather get Jalen Brown and let him grow into his role. Yeah, this one's obviously tougher. I think, too, in addition to everything Corral has said, Bradley Beal's 27, Smart's 26. Jalen and Jason are 22 and 23. Like, they match each other's timeline perfectly. On our most recent podcast, when we went over off-season homework, Tom and I went over how, like, their games complement each other perfectly. Like, if both of them are able to maximize their development, which both of them have shown that they are capable of making, like, great strides in one off-season, if they continue to follow that trajectory, like, that's a lethal wing duo that's like what you dream of i think if you're a gm to draft those two players back to back so i i feel like they wouldn't give up on the combination of jalen and jason maybe in like a one-for-one vacuum like when you're not talking about the celtics bradley beal probably is the better option but within the celtics organization i think you would stick with jalen so the counter to all of that is actually similar to the one that we made about smart obviously where again if you're trying to keep Jason Tatum happy for the long haul, there's not a better way to do that than by saying like, we like you so much that we will bring in your best, that we will spend real assets to bring in your best friend. And obviously that's not like a huge concession when it's Bradley Beal. And it's like, okay, this guy averaged 30 points a game last year. But I think that's one major counter. And then I think the other counter too is just like Tatum's game revolves so heavily around hitting jumpers and you're not going to be hot from three for an entire game, every game. So having that additional scoring punch, like, and especially, as reliable a scoring punch as Bradley Beal is because like you know you're going to get a lot of a lot of buckets out of him I think there's a lot of value in that all of that said I think that the, the biggest thing is is what Corrales was saying about versatile defense if I'm the Celtics I'm scared to give up a guy who like Corrales mentioned is on a good contract for the amount of production that he's going to give you I think I'm with you guys on on Jalen specifically for the Celtics I'm not a hundred percent convinced I just, I just don't think if you're if you're talking about using Jalen Brown to acquire somebody. I don't think you use Jalen Brown to acquire somebody on Bradley Beal's level. Hmm. I think you use Jalen Brown in a package to acquire somebody that becomes the best player in your team. Like you're using Jalen Brown to acquire like a Giannis type or a Kawhi type. And I think he becomes the centerpiece of that trade. I think that moving for Bradley Beal is a different kind of package that's not exactly the move that I would make with Jalen Brown. I've really become to the point where I'm not opposed to any moves anymore basically i'm saying no player is untouchable on the celtics depending on the move for certain guys the move has to be pretty damn good and i think that jalen is one of those guys that you don't just move jalen brown for bradley beal you move him for somebody bigger like if you do that and you're the celtics and you're offering jalen i don't know why the other team wouldn't say well no we want tatum you know like in the Giannis example that you used like wouldn't the bucks just be like no we can do better give us tatum or we're out i guess that would be my only my only concern about that but if you're the celtics then you say okay cool well we're gonna keep jalen brown then which is a pretty good place to be in as well all right so we'll go a little bit lower stakes here if you had to keep one player would you rather keep brad wanamaker or shemi ojale i would keep shemi ojale because the celtics have depth 
at ball handling. And I think coming out of this next off season, we, you know, we've seen Jason Tatum even initiate the offense. And I think him tightening up his handle is one of the most important things he needs to do. So obviously between Kemba, Marcus Smart, and Gordon Hayward, assuming that he sticks around for the full season, they have guys that can handle the ball and bring the ball up and initiate an offense. If we're keeping one of those two guys, I'm keeping a guy that is still a more stout defender, and hopefully he can just find enough consistency in his shot to be the type of 3 and D guy that the Celtics really, really need off of the bench. Yeah, all Shemi needs to do is to be able to hit his threes consistently or not get discouraged after he misses the first three in a game. Because, like Corrales said, I think his contract is like $1.75 million, like one of the best bargains if he can shoot threes. Because he's shown you can match him up against Giannis. He can guard sort of – he can fill in in that like by committee five position that they've had so far. So – the positional scarcity of Shemi Ojale and just the fact that the Celtics have Marcus Smart, have Gordon Hayward, have Kemba Walker, have probably Tremont Waters coming back next season. I don't think they're going to let him go anywhere. I think all of those things are, you know, reasons why you would let Wanamaker walk, even though he was a quite a, quite a useful player, especially during the playoffs. Like I think he was really, he and Grant Williams were really the only guys who I thought off the bench, like represented themselves pretty well during the postseason. So Let's do a couple of opt-in, opt-outs. Would you rather Gordon Hayward opt-in or Gordon Hayward opt-out? I would rather he opted out and re-signed. The complication here is that we're just doing opt-in, opt-out. Like, he might re-sign, but he might not. He is opting out, and you can make him an offer if you want. Sure. I would still rather him opt out because I don't think there is an offer – There's no Philly hanging around to pull an uh, an Al Horford on him unless the Atlanta Hawks really, really decide that they want to go big with him and give him a a ton of money for short, short years and say, hey, come here. We need you for a year or two, whatever, and then goodbye. I, I just don't think that offer is out there. So I think by opting out, the Celtics become players. But I will also say that he doesn't opt out unless the Celtics have an offer in place for him. So my take is, if the premise of this question is the Celtics haven't made that determination, and once he makes his decision, they're going to play whatever cards are on the table, I think they'd still rather him opt out, and then they could figure it out from there. If they can find a way to re-sign him at shorter money, then the possibility of the full mid-level exception comes into play rather than the taxpayer mid-level, because that's a difference of approximately $9 million versus less than $6 million that you can yep. spend on a player. Just by him opting out and doing that and adding a useful player at that kind of money is very, very helpful. So opt out. Yeah, I think Corrales is right. Just from a salary cap standpoint, like even not even from like a game plan, like do you want to re-sign him to a deal? Like it just makes so much more sense to give them more flexibility by having him opt out. I definitely like get, you know, the salary cap angle of it. If I don't know that Hayward is coming back, I might not be opposed to just having him stay for one more season, like if I'm the Celtics, because I really do think that like, if he just has a little bit of good luck, one good luck season, like that's all he needs. A lot of these injuries that he's had have been bad luck, have been like a bad step, have been a bad lob, have been, he, uh, you know. He was undercut, he smashed into LaMarcus Aldridge, and he landed on Daniel Tice's foot. How is that, like, how is any of that his fault? Especially a guy who has had like a history of 
of being quite durable. I think if I'm the Celtics, I would rather have, I would rather have the guarantee that that guy is back. And like, obviously, if you're the Celtics, like, you can have conversations, you know, with him and, and all this stuff. Like, this isn't like a super realistic, would you rather? So, I, I mean, I guess like in this particular scenario, I might want to just keep him, like, I might just want the guarantee that I'm going to be able to contend this season, that I can know what this team looks like with Hayward playing at that like 17, 7, and 4 level for an entire season that would be able to inform whether or not I want to bring him back. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the first time that I like really split with you guys. I think in, in this scenario, I would rather have Gordon Hayward. I would rather have the knowledge of what he can do next season uh, before I enter free agency conversations. That makes sense to be honest, like to be clear. When I say opt out, it's because I would expect him to do so to stay here. If the, if you rephrase the question and say opt out and leave or opt in and stay, and those are the only two options, then I also would go opt in and stay because you now have the ability not only to just do all the things that you said, Tom, but also have an asset that's tradable that you can turn around and flip. And you just don't want to have that opt out and leave just happen to you. So uh, I think there's value in that too. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the trade value angle is, is a little under discussed. <laughs> it's an easier one. Would you rather Ennis Cantor opted out or opted in? <laughs> huh. Let me think about this really hard. And to, mm, oh, I guess I'll go opt out. Yeah. Uh, Why though? I mean, I, I feel like we really need to dig into the, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, as much as I'll miss the dichotomy of, well, he made up for someone missing shots, but there's a good possibility that person missed shots because he was diving to the basket and he ruined their spacing, but <laughs> he was still there to get the offensive rebound. Oh, but he gave those points back by getting blasted in the, in the pick and roll, but he still was strong enough to handle that other big guy that they had on the post. Like that round and round is so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> uh, it's going to be tough to see that go because it's seriously mind boggling. But if he opts in, the Celtics may have to use a trade asset to move him and clear that roster spot. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise because they got too many trade assets anyway. So if he opts in and you go like, ah, well, here's a way to get rid of that second round pick. Off it goes to Portland. Take them back. Um, so, I don't know, but yeah, definitely opt out. Well, I think that's the difference between Cantor and Hayward is that the Celtics don't need Ennis Cantor to come back. No. They don't have any use for him. So they most definitely want him to opt out independent of salary, independent of like how that will affect their like finances. Like they just don't have a need for him in the lineup anymore, assuming that certain players take the steps they need to in the off season. And like the need to keep Ennis Cantor is very low. I don't even think you have to add any of those qualifiers in there, Nicole. <laughs> There's just no need to keep them. Danny Ainge is going to be like dropping flyers like, hey, Phoenix looks nice this time of year. Look at all of the swimming available in Dallas. Like, oh, the golf is amazing down there. So it's going to be interesting to see whether he opts in or opts out because it's like a $5 million player option. Does he think he can get more somewhere? I don't think he does. I think he ends up opting in because who's going to give him more than $5 million? Maybe it's a he'll find himself a better situation where he's he can guarantee himself 25 minutes a game somewhere. I think if he looks at that Boston situation realistically and like how many DNPs he got in the playoffs, like that's your future, buddy. Maybe the Knicks will want you back. You can go back to New York. You can be right there at the United Nations. That's like the selling point. Danny Ainge just be talking up other cities like crazy. Like, oh, yeah, imagine being in New York around that U.N. 
Whew. You could live right along the East River, Ennis. It's sort of like what we had talked about, Tom. I think he's going to try. I don't think he will find a better deal, and he might still end up coming back. He opts in for $5 million now. Then what? He goes through a year in Boston where he doesn't get much playing time, and then what happens? His value is even lower. If he's looking long-term, then he should probably say, okay, Boston's a decent situation Maybe I'm not going to get the playing time. Maybe I'm not going to get $5 million somewhere. But if you're looking to continue making money, you want to go to a place where you're going to get playing time. And I just don't think that playing time is going to be available in Boston, especially if Robert Williams can figure out how to play consistent defense, in which case then Ennis Cantor may not play more than 10 games. He might only get the Philly game. It would be, I think, in his best interest to explore his options and even maybe take a little less money in the short term to continue making money in the long term. Any amount of money that he takes under what he's currently making, he's only making $5 million. Like, I, I mean, I know that's a crazy phrase to come out of my face, but um, <laughs> he's, you know, he's only making $5 million next year. Like, wherever he ended up, he would have to make something, like, at minimum, you know, something just, like, south of two. If you're in a scanter and you think that you can still have a future in this league and you think that somewhere else is going to give you more playing time, then, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know, to opt out. If the Wizards give him a deal for less than $5 million, I think he would take it. Oh, yeah. He would love to be in Washington, D.C. All right. Would you rather trade up for a big man in the draft, or would you rather stay put and acquire shooting help off the bench? I think I will trade up for the big man. If he really projects out to be the modern NBA big with some stretch potential, then you have the possibility of really replacing Daniel Tice in a year. You get a year of a Kung Wu who can learn, hopefully, in the G League or maybe earn some backup minutes. He becomes kind of like a little bit of insurance if Robert Williams comes back to camp and he just still can't figure it out. We love Rob for a lot of fun reasons, but at some point he has to figure out how to play consistent defense. If he can't do that, then the lobs don't mean anything because you're just giving that those points back and you're just a more athletic Ennis Cantor with a different weakness. I hate to say it that way. Because I think everybody wants Robert Williams to work out. But if he comes back next year and just shows no real propensity for improvement, then you cut bait. You say, look, it's not working out here. Our championship window is opening up here, and we can't develop this guy anymore. You move him, you attach a pick, or you you move him to somebody who can develop him, and I think you solve two problems. You solidify your front court, and you consolidate your draft picks. So you would lack size. You would lack size. You'd be committing to going small because you wouldn't have that seven-footer. Theoretically, if you matched up against Anthony Davis, you'd wonder how, how that would work out. You just got to hope to swarm I'm not even going to get to that point. But anyway, I think the Celtics trading up in the draft kind of makes sense anyway. The Celtics have decisions to make with their front court anyway. So I say go for it. If the Celtics solve their problem at the five, I feel like they are legitimate title contenders. Whereas if they still have these problems at the five, even if you add a shooter to your bench, I don't think they, I don't think that increases their chances of really like competing for the title. Like John said, they need to consolidate anyway. You might as well do it and try and get a big man. And also, as people have sort of talked about following the Heat series in with the emergence of BAM, like it's kind of hard to find that talent. So to have the opportunity to draft one, it would be ideal. 
Agreed. And I think the nice thing about trading up for a big man is that you can include, you know, one of your promising young bigs if, if you need to. Like that can be a part of the deal because you're not going to want to have a Kung Wu and Rob Williams and Grant Williams. And, you know, just like that's sure. at that point, you're starting to get a little clogged up. You know, if a team is interested in one of those guys, you know, maybe you can save yourself from having to, uh, you know, having to give up a Marcus Smart or whatever, or like whatever it might be that would get you up that high. To be clear, I, I don't think that I would probably trade Marcus Smart to move up in this year's draft anyway. Regardless, I think that's another attractive option. So I think there's arguments against it. I, th- I think that there is certainly something to be said, um, you know, in a flat draft for having as many picks as possible, even if that causes roster crunch later. Uh, I think there's something to be said for not selling assets to acquire another piece for the future when you're trying to build a championship contender now. Uh, I think both of those are reasons not to, but in general, I agree with you guys. Next up, would you rather have, and I'm sorry to keep bringing up Marcus Smart's name here, but um, would you rather have Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward or Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo? Smart and Hayward. Yeah, I don't don't think it's even a question. I mean, look, Oladipo is a good player. He's an all-star level player. Miles Turner is really good, but there are question marks. And look, they haven't been able to, for various reasons, obviously injury reasons and all that stuff, but Miles Turner hasn't exactly been lighting up any playoff series. Even at full strength, I don't think when the Celtics were playing the, the Indiana Pacers, we thought, whew, boy, this is going to be tough to trade away Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart for those guys. Like Hayward alone for those two guys? Okay, we can talk about that, but Marcus Smart, Again, nobody's untouchable, but for Marcus Smart to go, you got to make sure you're getting the right mix. And, you know, Marcus Smart, a deal that involves Marcus Smart is like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown for Giannis. Like, that's the deal. Like, you have to be like, oh, God, this hurts. But we got a top five player out of this. So what if I twist it a little bit and I say that you know that, like, you have good intel that Oladipo is, like, feeling better and is looking healthy and, like, you know, you you have it on good authority that Victor Oladipo could be the really good player that he has been. I don't even think that Oladipo at his best is worth that. First of all, I need that guarantee. I need the guarantee that he's going to resign. Then, then maybe you can convince me. But as of right now, I'm still leaning no because what's your long-term strategy? If you're trading for Victor Oladipo, then you're committing to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Victor Oladipo, and Kemba Walker as your kind of core. Oladipo, (laughs) it's a good team, but like also so is the team that we had right here. So, I mean, that's, I, I don't think that Oladipo in place of Hayward makes the Celtics so much better because it adds other problems. Oladipo is not the playmaker that Hayward is. He's small. You have a very small backcourt now and another guy that can be targeted. He's not as bad as Kemba defensively, but he's not going to lock somebody down. I just don't like that mix. And if you want to say, look, Gordon's going to be done anyway. He's opting in. We're going to trade him and we're going to make a trade that may be less than palatable. You say, Cross out Hayward, cross out Victor Oladipo. Both of those guys are gone after a year. Like They know that they don't want to bring Hayward back. Then fine, I can see a trade like that. And you say, at least then you get Miles Turner out of it. And he's a decent player. And you can see if maybe playing under Brad Stevens gets him to unlock another level, maybe to be a little bit better, a little bit more confident. Playing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown versus some of the guys that he's been with getting him away from that front court crunch a little bit may be something that can benefit him. I can see the argument for that, but not in this scenario where it's Hayward and Smart. 
Seth to have something to add to that. I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So far, I think we've disagreed on what, like two of them? Mildly. Mildly, yeah. All right, so last one here. We might get some disagreement on this one, at least that we have. For next season alone, they aren't, but let's say that both players were on the last year of their deal and you could have one or the other. Would you rather have next season Chris Paul or Kemba Walker? It's just one year. One year. You're trying to win a title next year with either Kemba Walker or Chris Paul. I'm going to take Chris Paul. The risk of injury is basically equal, but I think the season that that Chris Paul had shows that even though he's older, he has enough left. He has the skill set that you need. First of all, you're not losing any intensity. That's for damn sure. He's going to go out there and he's, I think, just more reliable. First of all, a better, a better passer. Another guy like who can actually throw the alley oop. But I think I can count on him to make some of those shots a little bit more than Kemba. I mean, just look at Chris Paul's playoffs this year, like this past year. There's no way I think you could say Kemba Walker after watching the two of them in the postseason. I don't know. I just think he was noticeably very obviously better. I would love Chris Paul to sit down with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown after every practice and just pour, like crack his head open and pour all of that knowledge into their heads. They always talked about how like Shea and Dennis Schroeder learned so much in that one season with Chris and how much he elevated their play. And like, I do think there is something to bringing Chris Paul, bringing that. You said that they had um, similar levels of intensity. Like I think Chris Paul has more intensity. This might be a stretch, but like when the Celtics had that whole thing with the heat, like I feel like Chris Paul is like the type of guy you would want on your team at that point to sort of like have them channel that into like positive energy. Um, I'm not saying Chris Paul like, could have stopped it, but I do think his presence would have been valuable in a situation like that. No, I think that's true. And I mean, I think Chris Paul is the kind of guy who can just, if he gets mad, he can just like really will the next like five possessions to like what he wants them to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like he can just be like, no, I'm sick of this. The other team is on an eight to eight, eight nothing run. Yeah. And I have just had it up to here. So I'm going to get two buckets. I'm going to force you to make this pick and roll layup if it, like, um, like that, that's Chris Paul. Like he's, he's that kind of guy. Like he's that powerfully willed. And the Celtics and Thunder played during the seeding games and that was early on. And I remember after the game, Brad was just talking about how yeah. much of a communicator he was and how he was just directing their offense. Um, and their defense, just so much of a, a leader in that situation. And he was saying that the Celtics didn't have someone like that. And after that game, Kemba was saying how he needed to do more of that. Like, that's just such a natural thing for Chris Paul that I think on a team like the Celtics, that could be really valuable. Chris Paul has been through a lot in his career. And he's made a lot of deep runs. Or not a lot of deep runs, but, like, he's made a lot of playoff runs to Kemba's no real runs, just a couple of playoff losses. So he's learned a lot. I, I just think that there wouldn't be a 37 to 17 third quarter. Like he would stop that somehow. Again, I love Kemba Walker. I think Kemba's been great for this team. I am in no way disparaging Kemba Walker at all. But Chris Paul at his peak is better than Kemba Walker ever has been. He has been a superstar and one of the elite point guards in this game. He just gets the game at just a different level. And, and one other element. Chris Paul would not be afraid to challenge Brad Stevens and say, hey, what about this? And Brad maybe gave in to Kyrie a little bit on that stuff. I don't think it would be the Kyrie level challenging. I think it's a point guard 
a guy who sees the game, reads the game, understands the game, going to his coach and being like, they're doing blah, 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 blah. And just having like almost like an intellectual level discussion rather than Kyrie's, no, give me the ball. I think I'm going to guard Giannis. Yeah, right. Like, I think having Chris Paul would be great for Brad Stevens because it almost would be like having another coach around. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corrales, do you have any would-you-rathers you want to throw at us? Would you rather buy my new book or not buy my new book? I personally would rather pre-order your new book. <laughs> uh, that was smooth. <laughs> I wrote a book called the uh, the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, the best players at each position for the Seas, which if you look through Celtics history, there are a lot of like kind of obvious choices, but there are also some choices that basically my formula was you have 12 roster spots, like a normal All-Star team. And I went position by position and I picked a starter and a reserve at each position. And then I picked two coaches. I do the same thing with the coach, a head coach and a an assistant. Then I go through a bunch of names of guys I kind of wish I could pick for various reasons. It could just be anything. John Corrales, you can find him on Twitter at Reds Army John. I uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys on Monday.